circle the block again. Hello, everybody. How's it going? How are you doing, Leo? I'm good, Jim. How are you? I'm good, man. It's good to be back. It's been, I know that it, it seems like weekly gaps for you guys, but this has been a couple of weeks since we've uh, been recording an episode. So, can, can I ask you a question? When you said hello, yeah. everyone, yeah. did you have a moment where you realized no one was going to be talking back to you? I, so, you quickly went, hello, everyone. Leo, how's it going? The voices in my head talk <laughs> We're talking all back. The time. Me too, Jim. Well, Me there too. You go. Um, well, it has been a, a hot minute yeah, since we sure. were last facing each other recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, for all of our lovely listeners, uh, more than three of them, uh, we <laughs> joked early on that there would only be three. But uh, Hi, Joel. Yeah, hey, Joel. Our buddy Joel listens. Dwayne listens too. Yeah. Oh, this is what this is going to be now. Yeah. Just hey, to, Ross. <laughs> skip, to, skip to 45 minutes in if you want us to actually start talking about <laughs> Halloween. But we, so we're... Yeah, a good few weeks removed from our last yeah. episode. A couple of pieces of news to talk about. Number one, we, exactly. we, we've just, uh, at the time of recording, we just lost uh, the amazing William Friedkin. Mm. Uh, I was a bit of a loss to Leo and myself. We adore his movies. Yeah. What, what is your favorite Friedkin movie? Uh, oh, Toss Up, uh, To Live and Die in LA, or probably The Exorcist. But okay. I, there are just, there are a litany of bangers. Oh, for sure. Um, for sure. I think Cruisin' is really underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorcerer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Connection. Okay. Right. Really? Okay. I don't, I don't have the same affinity for French Connection oh, that other okay. people do. I know that sequence is amazing, but I actually prefer the car chases in To Live and Die in LA. Well. I, yeah, I can, I can live with that. What's your favorite freaking? Uh, probably The Exorcist, but, yeah. you know, I'm a diehard horror fan. But the other piece of news yes. uh, to move on a little bit is uh, in relation to our podcast uh-huh. is that we finally have an update on Scream 7. Tell me how you feel about the news. We have a new director. Yes, Christopher Landon, mm-hmm. director of the Happy Death Day uh, duology, yeah. one and two. And uh, a Freaky is, is apparently going to direct Scream 7. I'm very, very excited. I feel yeah. like if if Radio Silence aren't free, he is the guy you go to. So um, I think it's a perfect choice. I yeah. think it's an absolutely perfect choice. He, and I don't even think it's like, oh, he's a good understudy for Radio Silence. He's a really good director in his own right. I really like his energy. I really love, I love Freaky and Happy Death Day. I think tonally they skewer a little bit more light than some of the Scream movies, but I think he's, he's well aware of that and knows exactly, I just think he knows exactly. No, for sure. Doing. And I think he's got... I think even his um, his lightness and his sense of humor in Freaky, especially, is definitely still rooted in slasher lore. You know oh, yeah. that movie is bas- that movie is a Friday the Thirteenth movie by by any other name, and it it works. Yeah, really I so, I think he's so he's basically. I mean, because isn't Happy Death Day is Groundhog Day? Yeah. with a slasher, and Freaky is like Freaky Friday with a slasher. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. He's just a really smart, and he's a really smart screenwriter too. Yeah. And also Christopher Landon, I think, is a good friend of Kevin Williamson. So clearly oh, that's, cool. that's, you know, he's got the Kevin seal of, seal of approval. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. I, I, what about you? I'm very excited too. You know, I I, I do I do like the Happy Birthday uh, to Me movies, but, or not Happy Birthday to Me, that's different movies altogether. Happy Death Day, excuse me. And I know that there's the David Arquette voice in me saying like, you know, oh, you you, you should be keep keeping the creative team together. But I think, you know what, if it's going to pass to somebody, it, it's it's a really, really good, worthy substitute. Completely agree. I also think that Scream is a franchise that we've now seen benefits from 
passionate sure. but new energy sure. like scream five yes was was one foot in wes's sort of tradition and then one foot in their own and then scream six i think was very much more of a radio silence thing didn't hurt it because it laid the groundwork i i yeah i think it's going to be really good and at this point uh we're talking about scream seven we're also going to be talking about a, a halloween seven but before we do uh, just wanted to give a little shout out to my nephew, Tomas, who sent mm-hmm. me uh, a poster that he made, a fan poster that he made the other day for Screen 7 that had the tagline, New City, New Rule, sorry, New City, New Rule, New Killers, and just said Screen 7 on it, and he, he had a picture that he That's photoshopped very cool. That's so, very cool. And, and it came with the explicit message, why don't you mention this on the podcast? Oh, well, so, there you go. So I did. There you go, Tomas. I, I did my uncle, uh, my uncle Judy's. Can you show me that when it's uh, when we're done? Sure, of course. So why the reason we're talking about Scream Seven uh, is because it's a movie that hasn't been made yet because Correct. we have come to the end of one of the franchises yeah. in our uh, first season. So Scream Six is the latest entry. We are now moving past the Scream franchise. Yeah. And why don't you talk a little bit about what the remaining episodes? of season one of mm-hmm. Circle the Block again have to offer because we've talked about this extensively. Absolutely. Well, this we're on to a different theme now. Uh, the theme of today's episode is about reinvention. We're going to be comparing, rather than comparing screen movie that doesn't exist, we're going to be comparing two entries from the Halloween franchise, both with the same intention, which was uh, a reinvention of the franchise. And we're going to be talking about H2O and we're going to be talking about Halloween 2018. Mm-hmm. And I'll say right off the bat, the another difference between this and previous episodes is I have no idea which one is my favorite. And oh, yeah, and my loyalty swings back and forth on a day to day basis when it comes to these movies. I adore both of them, mm-hmm. and I'm very interested to get to the end of this episode and see where I stand. Without without sort of spoiling anything to you know without sort of getting to the punchline too early. There was one of these movies that when I talked to you about it, well, no, when I posed this exact face off to you about a year and a half, two years ago, you had quite a clear winner. Yeah. And only recently, I think actually one of the last couple of times we've met, did you say, you know, I'm, I'm really torn now because I've reevaluated my relationship with one of these and it is really good. I, I, I genuinely, it's one of those ones that... I can't, I just, every, every time I watch one of them, I'm like, oh, do you know what? No, you can't, you can't argue with that. And then you go, but then the other one has this. And in a way, and what's very good, what's going to be very interesting about this episode is that they're going to be, we're going to be talking about a lot of the same things, but they are remarkably different films. They are. I think I have an overall winner. Okay. But it is a really close call. I would say, well, it's easy to say this because there's no Scream movie anymore. This is the closest episode we've done. Oh, for sure. Ha- Scream 4, Halloween 4 is is comparably tricky um, for probably a lot of people. I have very specific opinions about Scream 4, but that was a tricky one in a lot of yeah. ways. This is probably the trickiest. I would agree. I would agree. Well, let's get into it then let's and see where we end up. Uh, so I think we'll start off. We'll do a little bit of uh, history and backstory. Sure. Um, and even though it's... Uh, even though I'm not saying this is my favorite, I'll I'll deal with H2O because okay. I remember '98 was a good year for for old Jimbo. Did we get H2O in '98 or did we get it early '99? No, in we got 90? it in '98. Yeah. Okay, we got it. Did we get it in August when America got it, or did we get it October? I think it was October. Yeah. Okay. Back in the day. See, um, I was three at the yeah, time, Jim. I was thirteen. Yeah. Just was, just a reminder, yeah. you know. 
Yeah. Well, you know, you often do do that. But that's fine. This is true. Moving on. Oh, and by the way, uh, a shout out, uh, sorry to, to go off topic, I don't know if he's listening, but uh, our really, really great mutual friend, Brian Mulholland, is celebrating oh, yeah. her birthday today. Do we say how old? Let's not say how well, old. Let's not say how old. But his, it's a milestone. His, and yes, but clearly that man is a vampire. He is a vampire. He he's turning is. 85 today <laughs> and he looks at least 38. Yeah. Like, so Brian, if you're listening... A big shout out uh, from two of your biggest fans. E. Terry Hooley of Independent Film yes, in Northern Ireland. Absolutely. I adore Brian Mulholland as too, ever, as does everyone. Brian is essentially, uh, for our uh, non-familiar viewers, is somebody who runs an amazing film festival in Belfast where I would dare say anybody worth their salt in the industry here has had some sort of start by yep. making movies out there. The man is, as Leo says, the Terry Hooley of of Belfast filmmaking. He lets any genre in for free, gives everybody a networking opportunity, maybe once, twice or three times a year. He's wonderful. His wife's amazing. His son's amazing. And it's so just a great big shout out to him. Yeah. What a great day to be recording this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this one's for Brian. Anyway. <laughs> well, this is a great way to test if he's listening or not. Yeah, exactly. If he never says to us, oh, thanks so much. We'll be like, you fraud. <laughs> should we, uh, should we say something? I mean, there was that scandal involving the cat. <laughs> There's no, <laughs> you sold it so well that people might believe there was a scandal, there was no involved, scandal in involved in the cat. Um, anyway, let's, Brian, we love you. Happy birthday. But let's get into it. So, uh, Halloween hits to you. Yeah. Um, two years after, the release of Halloween six and what's very, very important to This is something that I was texting you sort of privately about it. This is a very interesting thing because Halloween clearly influenced scream uh-huh. scream clearly influenced Halloween H2O. Yes. And Halloween 2018 clearly influenced scream 2022. Mm-hmm. So it's coming around yeah, in cyclical. circles again. It's absolutely. So that's why it's so wonderful to have these franchises face off. But this is 1998. It's a post-Scream world. They Slashers are completely hot again, thanks to the amazing Wes and Kevin Williamson. And at the same time, Jamie Lee Curtis has really hit upon the idea of doing an anniversary movie to commemorate the 20th of uh, the original Halloween. And her goal is to reinvent the franchise to allow her to come back and end it. Her only real stipulation is that it's going to reunite the original team of John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, and Jamie Lee Curtis, and it will end the franchise. Unfortunately, Helen Carpenter drop out, and they turn to Steve Miner, who has his own horror pedigree in Friday the 13th, 2 and 3, both movies which we absolutely love. Yeah. And I bloody well said that guy can direct horror. You know, even those yeah. those opening scenes of uh, Friday two and three are definite precursors to the opening scene of Halloween H2O. They're long, suspenseful, misdirection, sort of like long statements, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful brilliant. TV director too. He directed yeah. those early episodes of Dawson's Creek, and right. there's some really lovely like visual stuff in those. And yeah, he's just kind of a. a and again, when people use the word journeyman, I think it sounds a little bit, it's almost like a a, a criticism, but yeah. he is more than a journeyman because he's there is a, a stamp on his stuff, but um, he's, yeah, a great director, Lake Placid. Yeah. I also get a really, I get a kick out of every yeah, time I watch totally. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but anyway, the, the premise of this one, the absolute stipulation is that this is going to be a movie where Laurie comes back broken 
And by the end of the movie, Jamie Lee Curtis wants her to stop running, wants her to actually face off against Michael Myers once and for all. And this will be the end of the franchise. So why don't you take us then into Halloween 2018, Leo? There's a very storied history behind the development of Halloween 2018. So after Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 in 2009, which is going to be an extremely interesting episode. (laughs) Um, Dimension initially set about developing Halloween 3D, which is to be written by uh, Todd Farmer and directed by, co-written and directed by someone we adore within an inch of our lives, Mr. Patrick Lussier. I think uh, since he has unfortunately no no longer with us, the closest thing to Wes Craven that I think we we have now. So he was supposed to direct uh, Halloween 3D, which was going to continue the story of uh, Sky Taylor Compton's Laurie and Brad Dourif as, as Sheriff Brackett. I, I think the script's floating around on the internet. Yeah. Uh, I think it has a lot of, uh, I think a lot of fan reviews have been written and I think Tom Atkins was supposed to be in it. And it was it was very, very close to going. Yeah, it was I mean, really close yeah. to going. Yes, right. And then it was pulled, um, I think, to do with budget and, and schedule issues. And I think there was a concern that perhaps it was being made too quickly and wasn't being given enough time to percolate. In 2013, Jim, I only discovered this research in this episode, but I don't know if you know this. So there was the famous Halloween Asylum script, yeah. which was kind of a, a chamber piece set in Smith's Grove. Yeah. That was actually redeveloped in 2013 to be the next... Halloween, oh, okay. very briefly, yeah. with Josh Stolberg, I think, as the writer. Right. Um, and then that that didn't come to pass. And then we get Halloween. We almost get Halloween Returns That's in right. 2015. That was, that was really close. Really close um, from Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton, who wrote a very traditional kind of eerie throwback to the first one that was... So within, by the way, sorry to interrupt you. No, no. Um, because the original opening animatic uh, was leaked online a few years back. If wow, you remember. I didn't know that. Did you not see of it? the asylum? Escape? Yeah, I don't yeah. think that was for Halloween twenty oh, eight or for Halloween return. I think that oh, might have been for Asylum. Oh well, whatever. that was great. That oh. was a fantastic opening. Amazing. Really opening. good with that the fire. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Really That's good. So it gets cancelled literally before it's like like i think it was supposed to start shooting in savannah and then it gets cancelled weeks maybe even days before it's set to begin after a last ditch attempt i think to try and shoot the movie in bulgaria the rights disappear from the weinstein company to halloween and essentially go up for for auction in 2016 it's announced by jason blum that he has taken on the rights to the halloween franchise and john carpenter is coming back to executive produce uh, the new movie. They take a bunch of pitches from a bunch of directors, eventually land on, I think at the time, a very strange combination of David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, who essentially decide to strip the franchise right back to its basics, go on the sort of idea that everything past the first Halloween, including Halloween 2, isn't canon, and they make the remarkable move. I rem- You know the way people say, like, I remember where I was when... <laughs> This event happened or that event happened. I remember where I was when I saw the press release that Jamie Lee Curtis with that photo shoot was coming back to do another Halloween. I remember thinking, what the fuck is this going to be? Because you have to, I mean, this is very, very recent history, of course, but this is, of course, the age of requels, as Mindy would refer to them. And this is when we're getting The Force Awakens and so forth, which are kind of like bringing franchises that we know and love back with new characters and new dynamic filmmakers at the helm. Uh, and this is a complete requel. And I Mandela affected something because when I was reading up about this, I thought that Halloween 2018 
came about as a result of the collapse of the Weinstein company because of all of the oh, yeah. the crimes of Harvey being exposed. That actually wasn't the case. That's how Scream 2022 ultimately in a roundabout way came about. Oh. But actually the rights for Halloween had long had long gone and been up and acquired by Jason Blum even before the first articles came out about Harvey Weinstein. So the, so interesting how you get these two franchises. Me personally, I get these the history of these franchises crossed wires sometimes. Yeah. So Halloween 2018 comes out in October of 2018 and does absolute gangbusters. Yeah. It's all anybody can talk about. I think it makes $257 million. It's one of the biggest movies of like that year in the genre. It's like, it's insanity. Yeah. And of course it begins a trilogy that we'll get into in later episodes, but such a kind of crazy word. I mean, if you told us when we made our movie Braxton in 2014, like, oh, hey, the next Halloween movie that comes out is yeah. going to make more money than some superhero movies. <laughs> yeah, it's You'd crazy. You'd be like, what? Yeah, and it's crazy. And I mean, H2O was also a really big success. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a big shot in the arm for the, the franchises. But what's interesting is both of these movies, you know, they, they hold so many similarities, one of them being the fact that they're both coming off the back of complete uncertainty and complete abyss of yeah. uh, of the franchises because in, and there was no market, there was no real desire to do another one after Halloween 6. So initially it was going to be direct to video. And that's Did you know I, this? I only read this again reading up for this episode. Did you know Daniel Farns had a script for 7 that was going to be like The Wicker Man? I heard something about that. Where this, the whole yeah. town was allegedly involved in the Curse of Thorn. Yeah, I did. Like, hear I never heard about that until, and it was going to be like, it was called, uh, it was going to be called Halloween 7, Lord of the Dead. Wow, okay. And uh, I had never heard about that at all until I started reading about this. Like, I mean, it's so crazy to me that Halloween sort of shirked the direct to DVD fit mm -hmm. because Hellraiser didn't yeah children of the corn, children of the didn't. corn didn't and they were dimension prop dracula yeah. 2000 didn't you know the dracula revival that they did like it it should have happened and yet for some reason it just would have been very easy to just knock off a halloween movie for like a couple mil put oh, it to sure. dvd and yet for some reason yeah. maybe on some level there was a reverence yeah I think in house for what it was. That's very true. And I think Halloween, Halloween H2O was coming off the back of Halloween 6, which was so, as we talked about last week, it's very, so convoluted and so, yeah. where do you go? Directionless. You know, the script is directionless after that. In the same way that when Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 comes out, it's like, okay, well, where do we go from here? Yeah. It, there's, there's no real desire to go down that rabbit hole anymore. So these, both these movies come out, they're both complete reinventions. They're both dealing with PTSD of the character of Laurie, both dealing with family fallout, and they're both massive successes that reignite the franchise for better or for worse, which we're going to get into later because this yeah. did spawn Halloween Resurrection. It did spawn Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. We're going to talk about those movies on another podcast. Oh, we are going to talk about them. Well, we're going to talk about those. But this is, to, I just had a, a quick question here. Tell me about the first time you watched both of these movies. So tell me about the first time you watched H2O. I do not remember the first time I watched H2O. That's how young I was. I okay. remember seeing it after, I remember seeing it before. I said in another episode, I think I saw Halloween 6 before I saw Halloween 1. I saw H2O before I saw Halloween 1. And I came to H2O via Scream mm. because... 
My sister was really into Scream. Scream was the movie when she was a teenager. Fortuitously, there were a bunch of Halloween H2O ads maybe on Scream VHSs or yeah. in the background or whatever. So I knew that Halloween H2O was a movie. The kids in the street, when I would ask them about it, had seen it. I remember thinking... So one thing I definitely remember about seeing H2O for the first time was being surprised that it was not as violent and bloody as I had expected it to be. Because mm-hmm. I knew that it was an 18, and I remember seeing bits and pieces of movies like Scream and seeing how intense they were and how they earned that 18. I remember H2O not being that intense. I remember it being relatively... There are moments, even now watching it at 28, where you're like, oh, no, that's actually pretty... Like, Jodie Lynn O'Keefe gets a raw deal in that yeah. movie. Um, but I don't actually remember... I don't particularly remember the first time I saw it. I do know that I had it on VHS and I do know that I watched it all the time uh, and I loved it. Halloween 18, I obviously remember very well seeing for the first time because I saw it with you mm-hmm. and Margaret and we saw it on a double bill with the first one right. at the wonderful uh, Odyssey cinemas yeah. and they did this amazing, elaborate, enormous Halloween 2018 midnight show where they created this maze in the lobby and they had a bunch of Michael Myers's walking around. And that to me, Jim was one of the biggest midnight screenings I remember. It was awesome. And again, that was another moment. They did the same thing with it. Do you remember? I do remember the one with it. And I remember that my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, uh, had gone to see it with a friend in another cinema. And she was like, oh yeah, they had like a, a couple of red balloons on the door. <laughs> and we were like, oh, really? Because the Odyssey had a full-blown circus with clowns and scare attraction and, and, and everything. You know, they, they went to town. I loved it. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. There was one thing in it that I genuinely did not like. Yeah. And to this day, I don't like it, which is I don't particularly love the opening sequence of Pumpkins. I think they look a little bit daft. But, oh, my God, what a movie. What what a movie. Yeah. Um, loved it. Had a great time. Everyone we were with loved it. It was fun. It was exciting. However, it wasn't the first time you'd seen it. No. So tell no. me about the first time you saw H two O, and then the first time you, did you see H two O in the cinema. No, you saw no. Scream three in the cinema. Yeah, so I saw Scream three. I was I was too young to see H two O in the cinema, but I remember it being announced. And again, it's it's interesting you kind of say that. My my brother, for example, he knew that he knew of the existence of Halloween. He, he knew the sequels, he knew Halloween 6 and so forth. And when there was a different energy when H2O was announced, this was like some, this was an event, something mm-hmm. amazing was going to happen. I remember uh, the first time I ever saw any uh, stills of it was in a hairdresser's. My mum was getting her hair done and I was sitting waiting on her and they had a magazine and it was an interview with Chris Durand. And he was talking about how... In the how, magazine? In the magazine. Yeah, it was like a lifestyle magazine. Wow. And he was talking about how he was a, a rock climber who was now playing, you know, this iconic character. And that was so cool. And I had stills from it. And I was like, wow, this is, this is going to be big. I remember as well, Total Film did a write-up of it uh, when it came out. And we're just like, fuck, this is good. And my brother had gone to see it and he was like, you have no idea how good this movie is. This is, this is incredible. And then I had to do the unenviable thing for a horror film, which is sit on my hands for months and months and months. And then finally, when it came out, it was just like, get it. Get so the you had to wait it. until it came out on yeah. video. So what's the gap? Can you remember what the gap oh, is? Oh, it was um, at least six months. And you would have been 
far too young to sneak in. Yeah. I mean, I know you were probably like six, four when you were 14, but yeah, I just, it just wouldn't have worked. Uh, So your, your nephew, Michael is the age now that you were when Halloween H2O came out. Yeah. Nowadays, you think Michael could sneak into H2O? No, geez. Right, okay. Hell no, hell no. So you, so it's just not. No, it it just wasn't. I never snuck into movies until I was like, I'm so, I'm so boring guy. I, snuck into my first 18 when I was 17 years and nine months old. <laughs> um, so yeah, Leo's, uh, Leo's rap name is, uh, MC ethical. MC ethical. <laughs> yep. First, first, uh, album's called home by 11. <laughs> um, six in the morning. It's <laughs> time to start jogging. <laughs> yes. Six in the morning, boiled eggs in the pot. Um, but, but, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I, there was a very long wait until VHS came out and then it was like, it it delivered, which was right. incredible because it had been so built up that well, it had actually delivered. Tell me this because I'm interested to know this was on their on the surface level, the announcement of Halloween H2O. Yeah. What, what what Halloween H2O was expected to do in 1998? Is it almost the exact same as what 2018 was expected to do? Because if you think about it, eradicating the problematic franchise with a bunch of different timelines, bringing back the lead yeah. actor and kind of wiping the slate clean is basically what both of these movies do. The difference is maybe I get, maybe I can't see the similarities because H2O can sit alongside the movies that had come before it. Yeah. If you think about it, not yeah, sick like, so much. Yeah. They never explicitly but say that it you doesn't. You can kind of, I guess, in a, well, not really because, well, no, you can, because he's gone at six and he's yeah. back. Whereas 18, like yeah, there's no way like, Laurie got it. up yeah. after that fall. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no. It's interesting though, because I remember, and we th- we did talk about this in a previous episode that you know, you and I had, wow, Blumhouse are doing a, a Halloween movie. It's, it's just called Halloween. David Gordon Green, who he's a really good director. We were following it every step of the way. And I remember like it was this agonizing wait. God, I just want to see the trailer. Words, trailer, words, the trailer, buzz words, about trailer. That trailer. And then the trailer hit. And you and I were like, wow, that was a really good trailer. That was amazing. And then everybody was talking about that everybody. trailer. Everybody. But the CinemaCon debut of that trailer and the yeah. embargo, the, the weeks between when it debuted at CinemaCon and when it actually came online, I remember the fervor being insane. Mm-hmm. I remember all over the internet people being like, their Halloween trailer that only that the exhibitors got to see at CinemaCon is insane. And then that built an online buzz and then that online buzz became a public buzz when the trailer finally went public. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was like, I know a movie's big when people who have absolutely no interest in going to see a movie like that are going to see it. Oh yeah. My sister and her now fiance went to see Halloween. My sister has not seen any Halloween beyond the first one, which she only saw like once in two parts. And she was like, Oh, I really want to go see this new Halloween. For sure. So like, Everybody I know yeah. went to see it. Yeah. Which is really, I, I know it sounds a little bit corny or whatever, but like when you're a kid and that's your thing and you think it's your weird little thing to yourself and then all of a sudden it comes out in 2018 and everybody's embracing it and everybody gets the thing that you got. I find that really cool. Oh, I find sure. that very like- yeah. 100%. There's something really special about that. Um, uh, but, so, Eddie, but, but sorry, you, yes. you did allude to it. Uh, first time first I time. watched 2018, um, I saw it in a sneak preview. Uh, in early October 2018, 
because uh, another mutual friend of ours, Jim McLean, I'd done a job for him taking stills of Michael Myers walking around Belfast and his payment because he couldn't make it. He gave me a ticket to... What a mensch. What a great guy. Oh, what a man. Uh, He gave gave this uh, ticket to me for a sneak screening in Dublin. I remember it was one of those ones. I I, I left school, uh, you know, as soon as the the bell rung, I was like, out the door. And I drove, I was driving down Dublin, it's like a two-hour drive uh, from Belfast, going, they'll cancel it. There's no way I could be this lucky. And I got to the Lighthouse Cinema in Dublin, and there was a carpet, the Halloween press drop, backdrop and so forth was there. And I was like, yeah, this this won't happen. I, I still can't be this lucky. And then I got my seat. Okay, what's going to happen? And then the movie starts. It's amazing. I'll get into everything I loved about it, but I loved the shit out of it. And then all of a sudden, like, and please welcome Jamie Lee Curtis. Insane. And Jamie Lee Curtis comes out, who you know the crowd are going completely nuts over. So She's that was that a surprise appearance? It was. It was mentioned. I just didn't believe that it would happen. <laughs> I, you know, she was and, sitting beside you the whole time yeah, and she in the was, movie, and yeah. you were like, nah, and you know, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis in 2018 had a fucking ball doing that movie you know mm. she was in love with life and i remember at one point in the crowd she said do you reckon we could do a mexican wave start at the front ready and commanded and everybody did it and you know she just had the audience in the palm of her hand she was loving life did you tell More her than- when you met her that you were at that screening yep and was she like oh no <laughs> <laughs> she was like let's a move lot on. of people were but anyway. let's move on jim <laughs> but the first thing i want to talk about uh, the in terms of similarities about these movies are the openings. Yes. I yes. think both of these movies have openings that are truly, truly masterful openings mm-hmm. and yet completely different. I yes. can't, this is one of those ones, again, I'll flip back and forth, can't decide which has the better opening. What are your feelings? I think H2O is the better opening. Okay. Um, because I'm such a, I'm such a simp for a good opening kill. Uh-huh. Urban legend. I know, uh, no, I know what you did last summer doesn't have an opening kill. Urban legend, Valentine. I love those generation of movies that took from the Scream handbook and just created an opening kill. So I love, I love the whole, I love the Joseph Gordon-Levitt of it all. I love seeing uh, Marion Whittington back uh, or Marion Chambers. I, I just love that opening. I think it's really eerie. I think it's very 90s. I think it's probably, because there's a li- we're going to talk about this later on, but I think it's probably my favorite sequence in the movie. It could well be, for sure. And again, to go back to my brother, I I had this real, back when I was 13 and the movie came out, I was kind of, I wanted to know everything about it without knowing anything about it because uh-huh. I did because I, did, I wanted to be spoiler three but I remember him telling me about the opening and he was like dude you have no idea how good this opening is because like and he couldn't get over the fact that here was a, a horror heroine who was doing everything right mm-hmm. who gets to her front door sees glass on the ground it's like nope I'm out of there and there is something cool about your opening sort of damsel in distress to use an outdated term being, you know, a middle-aged mm-hmm. working nurse. As you say, it's that's an opening that's very of the time. And it's very 90s. It's very 90s. It's very of scream influence, but it really works. And I say, I remember my brother just talking about it. He was like, you, you 
she gets out of the house, but then she comes back and then she gets out of the house again and like, it doesn't help because Michael's right there and he just cut. And it was just like, okay, right, this is... And again, he had built it up so much through storytelling that you're like, okay, will this hold up? And it did when I watched it for the first time. It was so well, good. here's my theory. The opening of TH2O posits... Well, the theory that I'm... Uh, here's my theory. The opening of H2O takes the Judith kill opening mm -hmm. of Halloween and tries to emulate that feeling. Yeah. The opening of 2018 takes the Blackest Eyes monologue mm -hmm. and tries to emulate that tone yeah. with the Asylum opening. So they both take two separate ingredients from this 1978 movie, but use them to set the tone for their own reimaginings yeah. in their own way. And I think they're both really effective. I can understand why people prefer the 2018 opening because it's so new yeah. for Halloween. It is such a, pa like, it is, it, it sets the stage, Yeah, you know? And, and, and again, it's, it is one of those things that the H2O opening is kind of saying, okay, guys, you're in for a fun, energetic no holes barred, rip ride adrenaline thing. Yeah. And 2018 kind of saying, okay, you're in for something really different, something you probably didn't expect, but it's going to be really good. And I just love in 2018, I love the zooms into the character of Aaron Core as he's holding up the mask on the big checkerboard and Michael's just got his back to them and the score because, you know, it's John Carpenter coming back. It just builds and builds and builds. And I remember the first time I saw it, I, probably could have cried it builds and builds and builds and just slam cuts into right title. into yeah. the title card and you see that font in that mm -hmm. color mm -hmm. and it was like i'm home it was like yeah. a, it was like being away on a sabbatical and then coming back home for a while i should say we have a friend called aaron Corey, and i uh, love you aaron um the opening titles of h2o yeah i love too though yeah i i actually I think they're pretty great. They're great, I think yeah. they're, um, I love the... Interesting question, yeah, though, if yeah, I yeah. may, because this brings me nicely onto one of my questions, because we are comparing things. Uh, Opening title credits of Halloween H2O have a voiceover yes. of Dr. Loomis, which, of course, isn't uh, actually Donald Pleasant's. Really, really talented voice actor, though, really by the name of... Tom Kean. Tom Kean. Yep. Uh, then later in Halloween 2018, we yes. have a voice actor giving lines to Dr. Loomis again. What do you think, compare? So I think one voice is an impersonation in mm -hmm. 2018. I feel like that's a little bit of an impersonation. I think it's good. There's a weird sort of effect that the Tom Kane voice has where it's like, you know it's not quite Donald Pleasance, but you still feel the gravitas. Yeah. And you still feel like the weight of the spirit of that character. Yeah, so I get that. I think the one in 2018 maybe sounds a little more like Donald Pleasance, but I actually have more of a soft spot for the one in Halloween H2. Very interesting. Um, but if we're going to be, if we're going to be assigning points here. Yes. Uh, and, and by the way, just, sorry to go back to it. The titles of 2018, we've got John Carpenter back. We've got that really fucking good score which we're gonna get we're gonna compare score later on uh, uh -huh. because of, there's a incident with john Hartman that we'll get into yeah. that they have this pretty evocative mission statement in the pumpkin from the title of halloween 2018 which is rotted and decayed and yes. then comes back to life and Very this cool. is this is 
then this is their mission statement. We are giving new life to this. Yes, you the know, concept of that story is very. That was all done stop motion. That, no, no, it was, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So fine. the concept of that is so cool. I just for some reason when I the first time I saw it, it didn't. It's just me personally. I just was like, that doesn't look spooky the way I thought it would. Okay. It looks. I think it was maybe too bright. I think it was just a little, the pumpkin was a little too brightly lit. But God Almighty, what a fucking toxic fan read. <laughs> but but um. Such a great concept. Yeah. Such All those opening credit concepts across that trilogy that we're going to talk about are really cool. Okay, so if we're going to be assigning points, which we are. Are we? Well, why not? Let's okay, just, let's it's, do it. It's, it's, you it's you said first, it, I'm running with it. It's the first time uh, first time we're doing this. So does point one go to, what do you think? Where, did, where, did, where do you give your point for openings? Uh, for opening credits? For openings in general. I'm going to go, oh, Jim, I am going to go Halloween Hits 2. Okay, I'm going to, okay, so I, I, this is, this is Sophie's choice. You think so? Yeah. I, I think I'm. God, your kids are going to. I think I'm going to have to go 2018. I just thought. Listen, I totally get it. It's very fair. I, that, that might change by the end of this episode, and I'll regret it, but we'll see. So it's one apiece now, and then uh, the next oh, thing I would love It is one apiece, yeah. right? Interesting. Now, the next thing I'd like to talk about is Laurie. Yes. Again, both of these movies, we are dealing with a character who has suffered, definitely suffered from the events of Halloween 1. Yes. Maybe not Halloween 2, maybe, and certainly not 4, 5, and 6, and so forth. But she definitely suffered from Halloween 1, uh, they both share similarities in that she's an alcoholic. She has strained relationships mm-hmm. with her offspring. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, with her exes. With her exes and uh, certain families. The differences are that in H2O, she's faked her death and is now living anonymously. And in 2018, she is more proactive. She's actually preparing herself for battle when for when Michael Myers inevitably escapes. So two similars but go very off on very different tangents. My notes that I kind of took said about H2 still living in fear, she's retroactive and hiding, but does become more like 2018 as the film progresses. 2018 she's proactive, prepared and active actively seeking confrontation. Mm-hmm. She's really trying to get out there. What do you think? What's your favorite depiction of Laurie in these movies? I think there has been an accusation leveled at 2018 that I understand. I mean, I'm going to make enough points about it later to counter this, but, you know, I, I love 2018. I love 2018. There are things it does to me that I find a little bit leap, like a, a little bit of a leap. And the way that Laurie has turned out as one of them. Mm-hmm. I think the Linda Hamilton, you know, <laughs> preparing for Judgment Day with her house that's a fortress thing. I, It's done really well. Yeah. And Jamie Lee Curtis commits to it 100%. I don't know if I buy it as much as I buy. Laurie would counsel herself, remain book smart, remain studious, very likely be a professor or a principal based on the person we met in the first movie. Listen, it's just as likely that she could have gone off the rails the way she did in Halloween 2018. It's just this idea that she's barricaded herself 
if you've become a recluse, that's one thing. If you've become a recluse preparing for The Last of Us to become a real life situation, that's where I kind of lose it a little bit. And I feel like that's what she does with a kitchen that opens up of the island to become a basement full of arsenals. Now listen, all of that, if she's just a bit mad is one thing, but to be doing it specifically for the purpose of of battling Michael, eh. becoming a student, uh, becoming a a principal of a school, um, being on the surface together, but at the same time, deeply, deeply troubled and not having your personal life in order. To me, that is a much more, I'm not saying it's more accurate, but I think it's a much more interesting exploration of how she's affected by that trauma or indeed trauma. It's a much more interesting explanation of how she's affected by that than I find 2018 to be. But I think she's great in both of them. Yeah. And you, it's a testament to her. You hand Jimmy Lee Curtis, like you've got it all together on the surface, but you're deeply torn up inside about what's going on and what you've been through. You get that in 2018. You ha- or you get that in uh, H2O. Yeah. In 2018, you hand her, everybody thinks you're crazy. And you know what? Maybe you are a bit crazy. Yeah. You're also right. Yeah. And she delivers on that. So like, yeah. it's... Yeah, this, I mean, th- this it's is... Great. I will agree absolutely 100%. And this is not about which movie Jamie Lee Curtis is better in because she is incredible in both these roles. They are very, very different. My personal opinion uh, is that I think H2O has more of a character arc than 2018 does. I love the fact that there's still a little bit of the old Lori in there, that she's damaged, but she's still intelligent and that she's still studious and academic and so forth. And yet there are elements of 2018 in there she does have a gun you know it's not as if she she does have she does have a fortified electronic gate it's not as if she's being very passively nothing will ever happen to me and she is also preparing but she's still got some of the 1978 lorry left in and, there and isn't i mean the gate is explained away because it's a boarding school featuring kids yeah. but that's and it's at the yeah. front of the thing obviously she yes there is a part of her that likes that sort of protection as well in 2018 it looks like something that would have been rated in the third act of Zero Dark Thirty. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like it's sure. so, it's so, yeah, compoundy. It's very. I think that's kind of what it is. It's very extreme. It's, it's very. Extreme. It's, it's very very extreme, and I love the subtlety of even her alcoholism in uh, twenty eighteen mm-hmm. is kind of more extreme. And there's an amazing scene in here too. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie when she uh, is uh, in a restaurant yep. with Will and she asks for a second glass of Chardonnay while Will goes to the bathroom because she wants to drink the one that she has. And you looking at that performance again, you kind of see her counting the seconds, like, why won't he just leave so I can drink this? She is ready. Really She's good, yeah. loaded for bear. That sums up the character perfectly. And mm-hmm. that's just an example of incredibly good writing on Robert Zappia and uh, Matt Greenberg's part. So I think we're probably gonna award. Well, two. oh sorry, you're right. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just, I just, there's one thing I wanted to ask you about the relationship with her kids. Yeah, um, because I think that factors into discussing Laurie as well. Sure. I feel like I think we both agree that H2 is a more realistic exploration of where of how she's affected by her trauma and maybe where that character would have ended up. Yeah, but do you prefer? I'll say it off the bat and then explain. I prefer the relationship to Karen. Yeah, I would agree. Than I do the relationship to John. 
And I do think it's because John is... The thing is, he's actually... He's an interesting... Where he's coming from is actually very interesting. And I don't think he's just a whiny, bratty teenager. Yeah. I do think the moments where he's making a very valid point to her and it's obvious he cares about her are kind of undermined by the moments where he does become a little bit ratty and bratty. Yeah. Um, whereas with, with, with 2018, I, we love Laurie Strode from the first movie. We care about her in 2018. Yet I am completely sympathetic to Karen being yeah. like, you are a loose cannon. And I don't know if you're right to be in my daughter's life. Exactly. Yeah. I love them exactly. both equally. And, and Judy, it's obviously, there's a big part of it. That's the Judy Greer effect as well. Yeah. But I just, Oh, Wes Craven fame and cursed. Oh, yeah. Wes Craven fame and cursed. How, how, how could I forget? There's th- that Karen character is so, she feels so lived in to me yeah. and she feels so real in the way that, in a way that I don't get with John. It's nothing to do. I love Josh Hartnett. I think he's brilliant. I, I he's great in the movie. Um, also, the Oppenheimer Halloween franchise crossover. Yeah, it. so true. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of the actor who plays Aaron Corey, but uh, him, yeah. uh, Cameron, yeah. and Josh Hartnett all in Oppenheimer. Um, but anyway, uh, so the relationship with Karen, the relationship with John, I prefer the relationship with Karen. I think it's more believable. I think it's got more interesting ideas. What do you think? I would totally agree. I think that it's, it's a very interesting dynamic uh, in Halloween 2018 because as you rightly say, she's not just trying to protect herself, she's trying to protect her daughter. And she's not actually, John in H2O seems to be sort of dismissive of Laurie's plight in that he's dead, you need to get over it. That's all there is. Karen seems to be more understanding of Laurie's that you are suffering from post-traumatic stress. You need to admit that you can, yeah, and she she seems like she's a counselor of some sort uh, yeah. in in the movie. She seems to know that her mother is completely damaged, but is like, do you know what though? You're not my number one priority yeah. anymore. And yet she's still got this great thing where she has been training. She's been trained herself. She's like a sort of prototype Linda Hamilton in Terminator. Right. And, then, and that bit at the end. And that yeah. has to, and she still has to, and that's the thing. She has to use that skill to survive and that bit at the end. And I remember that was a moment, the first time I watched it, when she was, you know, at the bottom of the staircase going, I can't do it. I can't do mm-hmm. it. And I thought to myself, this is going to rub so many people I know up the wrong way. And then she just went, gotcha. Yeah. And, and it was like, fuck, this movie's good. Uh, Karen also becomes my, we'll talk about it next, next week, but Karen becomes my favorite character in, uh, uh, well, no, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. She becomes my favorite character in Halloween ends oh, or sorry, kills, Halloween kills, kills Halloween yeah, kills. Yeah. Um, but so I think we're, if we can, if we're awarding points, which we are, cause this is my interest in quantitative study to find out which one I actually do like, but it becomes a toss up then though, doesn't it? Because there's one aspect of Laurie that I think one movie handles better. And then another aspect, cause I even prefer a relationship with Allison, that, uh, you know? Yeah. But I do, I do think if we're talking specifically about Laurie, I'm still leaning to his two. So am I. Okay. So it's two, one. Okay. okay. Right. Uh, well, that, that has three votes and we have one. Oh yeah. So three, three, three yeah. one. Three to one. Okay. So the next thing I would like to talk about, if I may, are the creative teams involved uh-huh. uh, in both these movies. I think they're both fantastic. Uh, I'll start with the H2O, if I may. Uh, Steve Miner is 
I think he's a director to admire, but he's certainly a horror director to admire. I think that, like the again, I talked about it earlier, the opening scenes of particularly Friday the 13th Part 2, I think are absolutely masterful. I think they're really, really great direction. He definitely knows suspense. I love Patrick Lussier as the editor in this movie. I think he brings a real... So good. He brings a real energy to the movie. Shit, I had my answers. Like, I had my decision made on this. No, you're and really thinking. I'm like, Patrick Lussier is a Yeah, this is, this, is what, this is why this one's going to be tough. Again, the, the man, the myth, the legend that is uh, Kevin Williamson, Kevin Williamson is yeah. godfather of this movie. Whether, you know, yeah. Robert Zappia and Mark Greenberg, they both have great casts uh, as well. It's amazing. I still, yeah, I still have my, I, yeah. I'm still going to stand by the answer I give them. However... Yep. I'm going to go into negatives, if I may. Go ahead. Uh, for Negatives for H2O. Number one, the Weinsteins. Because uh-huh. what you have in H2O, which I don't think you have in 2018, is indecisiveness on the studio part. Yes. And this indecisiveness led to a couple of issues in H2O. Number one, the mask, which I think there's three masks in that movie plus CGI mask yeah. that everybody at the time, I remember that being like a real like, what? Yeah. Moment. Uh, there's inconsistencies with the music. Yes. Because John Ottman was originally hired to give a sort of more Hitchcockian mm-hmm. feel to the movie. The wine scenes didn't like it. It ended up being sort of taken away from him and through using the music of Scream and Mimic and so forth, uh, completely, almost as, almost completely rescored uh, Marco Beltrami, again, MVP. We don't talk about him enough, apparently, according to our friend Joel. Uh, That's true. He, he was brought in. He, his role is completely, he, he's incredible. I want to pick up on those two sure. things for a second. Um, didn't pay too much attention to them when I was a kid and even a teenager watching H2O and you know, because it's so much in my DNA, um, watching, like, loving that movie from I was really young. But I have to say, listening to the bits of, listening to the scream cues that mm-hmm. are actually used in H2O, yeah. and then actually looking at how well Chris Nelson and that whole team do the mask for 2018 in the new trilogy, yeah. the music and the mask have gone a big way to actually nearly ruining h2o for me i i understand exactly what like you mean. it feels so cheap yeah. and recycled the thing about movies that we've talked about this before is that you should be completely so sucked into them that any production sort of woes that happened uh off screen aren't evident and I think in H2O they are because there's, I've never been to any screening of H2O in my entire life that when the CGI mask pops up, people don't go, oh. I also feel very sorry for people like Steve Miner, Kevin Williamson, Jamie Lee Curtis, who wanted to really go have a go at it and make this reunion movie to sit and watch a movie that was everybody went into with the best of intentions where one of your key pieces of production design and costume does not look the same from one scene to the next. One shot to the next? And it's not even that it doesn't look the same. It's it's clearly different. Yeah. And then to have music that is actually designed to create an effect and an emotional response in an audience for an entirely different movie. That, to me, is like 
to me, that's like a faulty product almost. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy, but like that is to me like sending out uh, uh, like a really, like a knockoff. It, it's the, it's the, the wish. <laughs> it's the wish.com version of what a Halloween yeah. movie should have been. And I think it's been a testament to the work that Steve Miner and Kevin Williamson and Robert Zappia, Matt Greenberg and Jamie Lee Curtis, a whole team, Patrick Lucier did for the last 25 years that that has taken me that long to realize how much that hinders this movie. Yeah. It's become such a big bugbear for me in the last couple of years. I think to talk about the 2018 creative team, if you're happy for a second. Well, just, sorry, just if I, if I can finish up with it, see one of the biggest egregious uh, errors of the 20 of, of H2O is the fact that there was this last minute change in the ending, because as we know, this was meant to be the one that would completely end the franchise. This was it. And at the last minute, again, another indecisive decision made by the Akkads to kind of say, no, you know, this is our bread. And for, for, for no, there's no way, there's no two ways about it. Well, because Jimmy Lee Curtis the, almost left the movie, didn't she? Yeah. This is three weeks before the shoot. They decided yeah. this. So what's the background to this a little bit? The background is that it, you, the, the script went through a lot of drafts. All of them, ended up with Michael dead. Right. There was no negotiation about it. And then Mustafa Card was like, no, can't, can't kill. He, he, he cannot be killed. It almost got to the point where it was like, okay, well, that's it then. You know, we're, we're pulling the movie because Jimmy Lee Curtis doesn't want to do it anymore. And what apparently happened was that Kevin Williamson stepped in and said, look, I can satisfy both parties. I can say that within the runtime of Halloween H2O, Michael is dead, but I have an out to get him back for another movie. So by the end of H2O, his his sort of compromise was to Jamie Lee Curtis, like, if by the end of H2O, you think he's dead and the audience thinks he's dead, but he's not dead, is that good enough? And she was so far into the process that it was like, they were days away that she said, yes, fine. And... The problem is that when you have an, such an effective ending, like of that ending, like back in 98, when that first came out, that was like, whoa, right. that ending, that ending, that was incredible, that was incredible. No matter how you look at it, the power of that ending is now tainted because you're kind of going like, yeah, but it's not him because, you know, we had, we had this other movie, Resurrection, which again, the tragedy, I talked about this before, is that Resurrection came out in 2002, the Marcus and the Spell remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in 2003. There was no, there was no drive in Hollywood, especially in horror cinema at the time, to do remakes. And then when that movie, when Marcus and Spell's Texas Chainsaw Massacre hit, the drive was right there. And I kind of think that if, if we had just, if it had been one more year, Mustafa Cab would have said, right, okay, cool. We're not doing that anymore. We're done. Maybe. I mean, yes, maybe. I think, though, you could make the argument that the very existence of Halloween 2018 taints the end of Halloween H2O, even if we don't have resurrection. Well, you, you could, but what I would say is that it's a different, you know, it's a complete reinvention. That's like going back. Yeah. I mean, I've never been, I mean, I've never been that bothered by the, the, about face at the beginning of, Re I, re I really haven't. And maybe it's because I was so young when these movies were coming out that I just didn't, you know, Resurrection was the first new Halloween movie coming out that I was aware of, which when we talk about Resurrection, I'll probably explain a couple things I think about yeah. it. But like, I, I 
it just doesn't annoy me that much. That, I that won- it was, there was a gotcha about it. I wonder though, is that because... Because that ending know, is still so good. Yes, but the thing is, I, I wonder is that because you were so young that you don't realize what... Like, because, you know, H2O and Resurrection kind of come hand in hand for you because you've seen them after the fact. But to be there live in 1998, see that ending, and then sort yeah. of... Yeah, to, to watch it change. Yeah, because that could have yeah. been the perfect trilogy. Like, one, two, and H2O could have been the perfect trilogy. But I still don't get that overly... Bo- like, for example, one, two, in 2018 can be a perfect trilogy because... People will just ignore kills and ends. Well, you can't really say two because it's nothing to do with. Oh, well, sorry, beg your pardon. One, one in two. 2018 yeah. can be, that's true. One in 2018 can be a perfect, like a perfect yeah. duology because you can ignore. My thing is I do, I have an ability to individualize the movies as their own self-contained yeah. universes. And as far as I'm concerned, there is a universe where H2O ended on that cliff or, or on that hill when she chopped yeah. his head off. I can choose to believe that resurrection happens by watching the movie and being like, oh, okay. Or I can just be like, that's where it ended for me. That's not a, that has, and so one being self-contained doesn't, if they had done the ending, if they'd done a tag of H2O where you find out it wasn't actually Michael, then yeah, I'm with you. I'd be pissed as fuck. Yeah. But I just don't, yeah, weirdly I, and maybe it is because of the time that these came out, but like, weirdly I don't have a particular, it it doesn't, retconning and undoing things in a sequel doesn't bother me too much as we will discuss because I, my feelings about Halloween kills are very different than my feelings about 2018. Yeah. And yet they are in the same universe on the same night. Yeah. I choose to really, really rate one of them and watch one of them a hell of a lot and not necessarily continue that journey with the other one. So, but let's talk about uh, 2018 then. So what are you thinking about 2018? I have to say, I think Danny McBride and David Gordon Green understand Halloween better yep. of these two teams. I think the Easter eggs prove that. I think yeah. the bathroom callback in 2018 that I think has to be a reference to H2O, the uh, shamrock masks worn by the trick-or-treaters, the garage from Halloween the, 4. The trailer, remember the, the, the cheerleader chant? chant the cheerleader the trailer chant in the trailer but... that was in a deleted scene. Now, here's a question. That, those Easter eggs, to me, are the way you do it. You, you continue with your story and you tell your story, but you wink to the audience and show them how much you love and respect this franchise by setting that scene in the same location as a bit from four. Yeah. And so that to me isn't fan service because you're not actually... So this is what I wanted to ask you about. Sure. They understand Halloween better. My argument is they understand Halloween better and that's evident by even... I know... Um, oh, what was, was it Daniel? What was the name of the cinematographer on H2O? Uh, Darren. Oh, Darren. Lynn Bozeman? Darren? No, no that's no, the director da- of that's, uh, Saw. Saw. Darren. Uh, f- his name begins with F. He was, he was cinematographer on Phantasm 2. Darren. Uh, Look him up. But he, he wanted to shoot anamorphic. So maybe this that's isn't right. fair. But even shooting the movies anamorphic like those guys did, giving it a fall feel, shooting it in North and South Carolina to make it feel a little bit more Illinois, you know. These guys, to me, just have a lot more juice flowing from them creatively than the people who were involved in H2O. Not to say that they didn't do a great job. Um, but so so here's a question I wanted to ask you. The garage, the shamrocks, all that stuff, all the Easter eggs in Halloween 2018 that throw back in a very casual way to the franchise. Mm-hmm. Do you consider that fan service? Because I consider fan service 
being something. Darren Okada, by the way. Darren Okada? Yeah. There, there you go. He So I consider fan service something that affects the plot for the purposes of keeping the fans happy. I don't consider Easter eggs fan service. So people will maybe go, oh, Halloween 2018 is just a bunch of fan service and, you know, all that stuff. I don't think that. I think the Easter eggs are very different. What What do you think? I 100% agree. And, I'll, and I think it's something that we talked about before. Uh, we actually talked about last week with Scream 6 the scene uh, in the apartment when Jason takes Manhattan is on the TV. That's a wink at the horror audience who know that. The problem is you're not hanging the plot on whether you get this exactly or not. Exactly. And, and fan service as a plot is something you see in a lot Absolutely. of big, big temple movies. Now I think Kevin Williamson was a brilliant shout for H2O. Yeah. Um, I know his treatment had a massive influence on what the eventual movie became. Um, I know the third act involving a helicopter and something that was a yeah. bit true lazy and an explosion was thrown out. But, you know, he's a great, you know, aspect of the creative team of H2O. Patrick Luce is an amazing addition to the creative team of H2O. I think there are some things that are misjudged in 2018 tonally that mm-hmm. never bump for me in twenty in, in H2O. Yeah. I think the comedy cops... Maybe yeah. they're even a reference to Halloween 5, but the Bon Me Sandwich conversation. Yeah. Some of the stuff with... Uh, with Sartain. Yeah. You know, there are some misjudged swings. Well, th- this is this is kind of the lead me nicely to what I wanted to say because I think, you know, David Gordon Green is brilliant. He's, uh, yeah. He, he seems to be a really good filmmaker. I love Michael Simmons as a yep. cinematographer. And again, if you haven't listened to his episode of Halloween on the Go Creative uh, show, it's textbook for filmmakers out there about how you should behave and how you your your approach to filmmaking should be the guy's amazing bringing carpenter back to do the score i think this is probably the i dare say it's the best score since 1978 you know maybe mm, good point well good be. point i love the h2 the halloween 2 81 score yeah, oh, though, i love it too I but i it. kind of Halloween 4 is a pretty good score. It does. You know what, does. though? You're right. It is the best. It, it is, it the, is best. the best. Yeah, it's I mean, the original. It's, it's, it's not as if we're losing out in any of those other ones. No, but it but, is the best. I think you're but right. It, but it is the best. I think it's, it's an incredible score that Halloween movie needs. You know, John Altman's score, no disrespect to him, was so totally different from any of the other Halloween movies. You know, yeah. the, the, the idea of a classical sort of orchestra playing, you know, yeah. on w- wind instruments and so forth just didn't seem to be in keeping with the synth-based music yeah. that Halloween has founded on. Bloomhouse, which I love, again, in contrast to the wine scenes, Bloomhouse seemed to have this really great filmmaking attitude, which is keeping on budget. We trust you to make a movie. Yeah. Keep it on budget, and we're all good. And that has allowed yeah. some really great filmmakers to make some really great Duran movies like Get Out. Yeah, and, and when so you have forth. Jason Blum in that seat and not a Weinstein you have someone who might be making big decisions, but they seem like big decisions for much less sort of random reasons as we know the Weinsteins kind of did. Question, this, is this, is this particular face-off, this particular section not kind of a washout given the fact that only one of these movies actually got John Carpenter back? It's true. I mean, to be honest... But, but, but to, to put a negative spin, because I'm being very positive here about 2018, but to put a negative spin on it, what I would say 
is that they're they're writing strays into absurd comedy at times. Some of it works. Julian. Julian's Julian's, one of the highlights of the movie. Yep. Some of it doesn't. But it's a testament. But to me, a couple of moments of misguided comedy, I can sit with when the story is this interesting and the style is this interesting. I can sit with that more than I can sit with a repurposed score from a pre-existing yeah. movie and a mask that changes, as you say, it's shape true. between shots. It's true you say that, but I re- I remember having a very, 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 uh, a very distinct memory of watching 2018 for the first time and the Sartian twist sure. occurred. And I remember at the time thinking, this is a really bitter pill you're going to have to swallow so you can enjoy the rest of this movie. And I did, and the, and it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, and the th- and the thing is, retrospectively, I can kind of see the merits. Is it, it also a not little a f- bit? Do you think it's a fun little nod to the to the wind stuff in six? I think it's a fun. I'd say it's more of a fun little nod to the pe- to people like yourself who think that Loomis was insane because <laughs> you know, this is the thing. He was insane. Well, Jim. we'll get into that. But this is the thing. The, the the David Gordon Green trilogy of Halloween movies are about obsession. That's right. that's the underlying theme of all three of those movies. Sartain is obsessed. His obsession has led to psychosis in some way. And that's what's happened. But at the time you're watching it, you're like, whoa, this took a left turn. And not in yes. a sort of like, I did not expect that type of left turn. This just straight into craziness and there's all these deleted scenes of Sartain when he's asking uh, yeah, he's picking his yeah, nose and shit but yeah, I think that's a gag really thing it, no it's a gag really thing and also but, we can't judge the movie based on a deleted scene that's, that's misguided that's very true that's a good point I'll, I retract my statement but I'd say the Sartain plot is a major sticking point that I don't think H2O has I don't think like, we're, there's there's moments in H2O where you kind of go that's not the same mask that scores from screen, True. whatever. Uh, yeah. But I remember, but th- the thing is, I never had this consciously say to myself watching H2O, get over it. And the thing is, what I did, I was able, I was able to get over it for 2018. And that meant that the third act, which is a total fucking masterpiece, everything in Laurie's house is brilliant. It's so good. So good. I was able to enjoy it. However, I know people that, came out of the movie and going, they lost me at the Sartain moment. It didn't lose me because it's so short-lived and I yeah, love the I finale because I'm leaning into the whole Linda Hamilton thing, even though I find it a little bit, you know, crazy. You uh, made a point a second ago of there was no point of Halloween Heat Show. You had to say, okay, get over it. And I think that's kind of my counter argument. Like Halloween Heat Show, was, as much as I love it, and I do love it, it plays it very safe and traditional. I like a movie like Halloween 2018 that is taking a sw- it's it's a swing and a miss in some regards but it's a swing and the movie around it is so well structured and so well put together and gets so much right that the couple of crazy things it gets wrong I can overlook because of how much the rest of the movie works yeah. unfortunately that will not be the case when we talk about some other movies coming up that take swings I think I agree with you I think you're very I think you're right about the Sartian twist I think you're right about a lot of the comedy, but I I kind of like the northern exposure stuff where yeah. it leans into all these idiosyncrasies of Haddonfield and these kind of weirdos living yeah. here. So I it didn't bother me too much. Points oh, time. Yeah, points time. Okay, well, I 
because we're talking about this in terms of creative teams, I would argue it's a draw. I think it's, I completely understand why you would argue that. But you see, you can't give a point based on how much you admire the work around the thing we're talking about. Okay. We love Patrick Lussier because of how brilliant his work on the Scream movies and My Bloody Valentine, and even this is. Yeah. We love Kevin Williamson because he's fucking Kevin Williamson. He's an icon to us. But is this any of these people's finest hour? No. No. So I Inc- would, and incidentally, just uh, in terms of news, you you just watched Play Dead, which is I did Patrick Lussier's new movie, and you I, give a thumbs up. I really enjoyed it. I, I really it enjoyed it. I must check it out. I, so you're gonna give your point to 2018? Yeah, I think okay. I am. Well, you know what? I'm gonna do the same because I think that the addition of Carpenter bringing back that music and bringing back those anamorphic lenses and bringing back that the title sequence it's just the thing is i love i love kevin williamson because of scream dawson's creek the faculty even cursed i love cursed i have a lot of fun with cursed sick i love kevin williamson's work and he did h2o is the way i look at it interesting i love what david gordon green and danny mcbride did with halloween h2o so or sorry halloween 2018 i love what they did Whereas I love the people who did that. And interestingly as well, there's nothing in their back catalogue that would make you believe no. that they're going to do as good a movie as that. So so we're going... I'm giving it to Halloween 2018. Okay. Well, let's talk in... God, I never, ever thought I'd vote against Kevin Williamson in my life. Um, but I'm giving this one to 2018. You heard it here first, folks. So let's talk uh, a little bit about favourite parts. Uh, set set pieces that I love I love in in Hitch 2 I love the opening yes I love the bathroom scene with the mother and the the daughter Casey for some reason (laughs) it's fine it's not bad I just I I don't know okay Um, I love uh, the chase scenes I think from the moment they basically discovered Jodie Lynn O'Keefe's body the movie just is essentially one big long chase and I think the in particular, the one with uh, with Josh Hartnett and Michelle Williams across the sort of foyer into the gate and so forth. Masterful. Brilliant scene. Okay. I don't rate it that highly. Really? It's not that I don't. I don't think it's... I, I, it's I'm really glad you love it. I wouldn't say it's masterful. Okay. I, I think there are better chase sequences in the Halloween franchise. However... How, if this was the ranking, if we were given points based on which movie has the better chases, H2O wins, no question. Because 2018 has the one chase, okay, basically. True. That little cat and mouse bit at the end in the house is technically a chase, but like yeah. the only chase really is Allison after Oscar dies. Chase with Josh Hartnett and Michelle. Okay. okay. Uh, the, my favorite scene really in the third, like in the middle to the third act is the, I actually really love the Jodie Lynn O'Keefe. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's, it's horrific. It is horrifying and yeah. brutal and terrifying. But very real, but very, very real. And she's very, very good in it. Brilliant. Love I, Julian O'Keefe. I love the van uh, ending. Yeah. I love that whole well, thing. Well, here's the, here's the thing, because, I mean, just to get into a, a little bit more, 2018, adore the opening. It's amazing. The gas station scene, incredible. Oscar's killing at the iron fence, you know, with the security <laughs> lights so and so good. forth. Total masterful. Here's a question. Yeah. Both these movies build to a confrontation between yes. Laurie and the ship. Yeah, which one does it? Which one has you? Which one? I gotta say, 
It's, it's 2018. It, it, I, no, because, because, and, 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 and I'll tell you for why. <laughs> 2018. So he, let's go to HGO first. Coming out of the, the, the curtains and stabbing him a bunch of times. And then the whole bit in the, the, the bit in the, oh my God, that bit with the tables in HGO is so yeah. good too. That Repurposed whole, from Halloween 4 apparently. Ah, fuck this movie. Jesus. Was any was everything like was everything repurposed? Nothing's original. Was the yeah, um, and then that house was repurposed for Scream Three. Yes, you have the the chase in the school, and then you have the finale in the van, and then you have all that's really good. But there is a fucking ruthlessness to the to the final confrontation in twenty eighteen, yep. where it's actually. I mean, I love that it's her stalking him. Yeah, and she like they she blows his fingers off. And she's stalking around the mannequins and then she is missing where he was missing in the first one that does the same fake out. Uh, no, no, no. 2018. Is it, is it 2018. Me, is it me or do the stakes in 2018 seem a little higher? They seem really... Well, because I feel like maybe she has a daughter and a granddaughter yeah. to protect as but not, well as... But, but not even that. Not even that. I think it's just like... For want of a better way to say it, I think H2 seems like an action sequence. Good point. 2018 seems like a fight. And also, I think the reason that maybe the stakes feel higher, Jim, is because in H2O, she's hoping and praying that her brother won't find her, as she says yeah. herself. In 2018, it's vindication because she's saying to everybody, he is going to come back. It's not a matter of if, it's yeah. a matter of when. They've all said to her, you're mental, live your life normally. And she's saying, no, I need to kill him. So her entire being ever since 78 has been about defeating him when he decides yeah. to come back for her. And that's at stake in that final yeah, fight. Absolutely. In, in H2O, it's a little bit like, I'm just... Watching every shadow. Yeah, yeah. I'm mistaking my boyfriend for Michael. I'm so the stakes are higher in hit in 2018 because she's fighting for everything she's told everybody. Yeah, she's as well fighting for the last 40 years. So maybe that's yeah, maybe. maybe that's why the stakes feel higher. Okay, I'm gonna award a point then for. Can we talk? Can I just say my favorite bit of we're, HGO? We're, we're not we're not we're not done with favorite parts yet. Okay. But go ahead, please tell me your wait, favorite. Wait, wait, wait! What are we awarding a point? We can't just arbitrarily start awarding points. We can do whatever I want. We can do whatever I want. Did you? Okay, Stalin. So that, that's for set pieces. Let's talk. Uh, I think we already know the answer, but that's the set. The shape. Who does the best performance? What happened? Still talking about our favorite bits? We're, we're, I told you we're not done. I didn't say we're doing it right now. You said, let's talk about our favorite bits. You went the whole way through. I have a schedule. I have a schedule. What? Does it go back? A schedule that goes up and down and up and down? So wait, fave bits, favorite Michael, fave bits? No, no, no. no. Hey, you'll, you'll see. You'll see. Anyway, who's your favorite Michael? James Duke Courtney. Okay. Why? Because um, he plays him as a character and maybe less like, not to say that it wasn't a Chris Durand. Mm -hmm. uh, not to say that Chris, I mean, Chris Durand does a great job too. Um, but, but James Jude Courtney does seem to inhabit him as a fully rounded, fleshed out person. And I also think he benefits from a script that actually manages to deal with Michael the man stroke, you know, monster a little bit better because you do see him in the daylight, standing with other patients looking almost unremarkable. Mm-hmm before everything kicks off. So he gets a little bit more, there's a little bit more richness in what he gets to do. But then when he does put on the mask and become the shape, I feel like that's the same guy that was walking around 40 years ago. Chris Durand is very imposing and does a really great job with, you know, a lot of the physicality of it, but doesn't really get much to do beyond just kind of 
be in there as the as the big bad. Yeah. So James Jude Courtney yeah. for me. I would agree. I think James Jude Courtney. However, this is a good form to express this. I actually don't like the change in the character of Michael in 2018. If you're going from 78 to 2018, the Michael character is very inconsistent. He's gone from a stalker who doesn't kill really, at, who, who chooses victims at random, but doesn't kill at random and doesn't certainly doesn't kill numerously at random. You know, as Kim Newman once said, you know, he, he sets, he's, he practically, he enjoys the scare. He seems to enjoy the stalking more than everyone he kills itself. in 78 is for a practical purpose. That's exactly. True. 2018 there's that. And it's an amazing scene. It's an amazing shot. You know, the choreography of it is incredible, but when he walks into a random person's kitchen and yeah. hits it with a hammer and then walks at the front door and walks to a neighbor's house and just randomly goes in and stabs her. It just feels he didn't more, have any. Yeah, yeah. No that's a really good. Reason. That's a good I, point. I had a theory at the time when I was watching it that he was kind of creating madness so that the cops would be everywhere, and you know that, that he could kind of hide in this sort of like frenzied chaos sort of thing. And it never came off. It turned out it was just a random scene that didn't actually. I think have a that's. Purpose. I think that's very fair. But I would say James G. Courtney. Wait a minute then. By that logic, surely you should have the exact same issues with a certain movie that's going to come up that I do, yet you're an apologist for it. We'll talk about that. Anyway, okay. moving on. And now we get to... Back to... <laughs> back, back, oh, to back to... Back to Porridge. I want you to tell me What's what your favourite... You, you'll see. Okay. I want you to tell me what your favourite scene across both movies is that's maybe not like a scene of horror. The conversation between Jamie Lee Curtis and Janet Lee oh, at the car. Great scene. The confessional between Jamie Lee Curtis and Adam Arkin. Love it. And then in 2018, um, the dinner scene is so mm. tragic and working on so many levels. Um, and then also, uh, I actually think the homecoming scene where Alison sees Cameron being kissed by the other girl and they have their little, cause Yes, that's teeny, and yes, we've seen that in a bunch of movies, but if I watch that scene and I feel a different way a couple of times because there are times when I watch it where I'm like, oh, he's a dick. And there are times when I watch it, I'm like, I actually don't think he, I don't think, yeah, I think she seem, did come yeah, on to him. Yeah. So that scene is really interesting and I find that really funny. Not funny. I find that really, like, there's a lot in that scene. And then I love Andy Matichek's performance when Oscar's being a little creep. And yeah. he is being oh, a creep. That is not meant to be like, you know, oh, you know, he's always had a crush on her, but she's, a, yes. no, he's being a creep. And maybe if, even if it's not intended by the filmmakers, he is being a creep and she is so good in that scene. I love the way she handles him. I love the yep. way she's like, just like not having it. So those are my favorite non-horror scenes. This is a good, no, that's a good category, Jim. No, I want to, I think I agree with hundred percent of all those. I think all those scenes are amazing. I'd like to add in a little bit, if I may, I fucking love the prison montage from 2018 when it's kind of cutting back and forth with Laurie cleaning her weapons, Michael sort of being transferred mm. from Smith's Grove, Laurie out in the car kind of waiting, you know, drinking the little tiny whiskey bottles, just sort of having her own private breakdown and so forth. Masterful scene. And again, held together by an absolutely incredible score. Just yes. 
love that scene. So, oh my God, like, how could we have forgotten all the scenes with Julian? Oh, all God, the non-horror course, scenes with yeah. Julian. Oh, oh my God. Um, I will say though, Kevin just, nasty ass toenails. <laughs> just, just going back to sequences in H2O, the, my favorite horror sequence of H2O okay. is still the opening. Okay. That's my favorite suspense horror. I, I would actually say in terms of horror sequences, I think you're right. Both, my favorite both, both horror movies. sequence in 2018 is the finale or the, even though I actually, that's such a good point you made about Michael's rationale, but my favorite horror sequence in 2018 is the long steady Yeah, it's shot. amazing. It's incredible filmmaking. Very Henry. Yeah, it's incredible filmmaking. I just don't think it works. It holds up with the character of, my, of the depiction of Michael. That's a good point. But you know what? I would totally agree with you that across both movies, I think the the Iron Fence scene, the, the Oscar killing scene is incredible. But across both movies, the best horror scene in the whole thing is probably the opening of H2. And that's weird. So mm. in terms of our favorite parts, we got to award one point each. What do you think? Uh, 2018 has more parts that I enjoy uh, quantitatively than uh, H2O. I'm going to, I'm going to agree. Oh, no, okay. I, okay. That's a nice surprise. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. No, actually. I, it was, it was a close one, but I, I'm you, going to I agree. Mean, I think we've made it pretty clear, but I just, as someone who's known you for a long time, want to reiterate, you love H2O. I fucking adore H2O. You love, I love it. H2O. I love it so much. Um, there are times when it's sort of, it's kind of a toss up between two and H2O for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Obviously, one. Oh, no, one no. Way. Actually, don't, I don't think it's ever. A toss so you up always two. think it's, two it's is... always one, two, and H two. Okay, okay. And then, and then twenty eighteen came along, and now I fucked yeah. you back and forth. I, yeah, I agree, man. I agree. But we're on to my last segment, if uh-huh. I may. I want to talk about which of these movies holds up best. Yeah. Now, it's this is a difficult one because I mean, one has twenty years. One on the has other. twenty years on the other. Exactly. So I want to talk about which one holds up. But more importantly, I want to talk about which one serves as a reinvention, which serves as a better reinvention. Yes. Now, I think H2O has a lot of energy that it's still fairly, you know, it's watchable from a, for being a 90s movie. The energy that Patrick Dossier brings in that edit and, and the, the sort of quick fire story and so forth, despite the aesthetics of it being very 90, it still holds up to this day, which is incredible after 24, 25 years. Incredible. I do miss the anamorphic, as I say. Yep. I, no, I'm with you 100%, man. Yeah. Uh, I think in terms of reinvention, H2O was a masterful reinvention tainted by a sequel. And I know you've already talked about this and you say you can kind of, you know, you can ignore Resurrection. No, because, well, I'm going to address this in my sure. sort of part about this, but carry on. Okay, 2018, love the anamorphic, it led us back. I love the zooms. I would say just because of its runtime and the character development, and as you say, the whole teenage sort of aspect and so forth, it drags a little bit more than H2O. It doesn't have quite the same energy. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I would say it's, it's, it's retro yet timely. It's kind of the best way I would describe it. And here's the controversial thing, which I assume at any moment you're going to jump across the table and hit me. It was a great reinvention that, unlike H2O, wasn't tainted by sequels. You're, I mean, I think you're completely wrong you, about you, that. Would you do away with Halloween Ends, though? Um, I don't want to spoil anything. Um, 
Okay, you're right. Not completely wrong. That was maybe harsh, but it was tainted. It I was, think you have to acknowledge. I, it was I would say that they were lesser. Actually, I think you're totally right. Here's my. Here's my. Okay. Here's here, here's well, this is so interesting, Jim. What you've just said because it leads into my thing. When I look at which is the better reinvention, let's think about the end of these movies, as in which characters, which tropes, which world is set up sure. to potential. If these are a pilot for a future of a franchise, which movie leaves the doors open and the sky blue enough? to go in a bunch of different directions and get maybe another seven movies worth H2O. The problem mm. is where resurrection goes is an interesting place. Yes. Extremely controversially handled. Yes. Because it kind of, I get what you mean. Cause it kind of wipes the slate wipes clean. Wipes the slate clean. New final girl, new yep. characters were, were 2018 goes with its kind of cliffhanger ending is it handcuffs you a little bit to those characters, that world, and that story, which is okay. But then you, unfortunately, if you don't get kills, you get another movie set in that world on that night with those people. And you are kind of a little bit more bottlenecked in terms of, well, we got to wrap up Karen. We got to wrap up Laurie and Allison. Do we keep Allison for a bunch of new movies now? Do we get Cameron back in? Do we, if you have a, a bunch of places to go with a sequel to Halloween 2018. There's actually slimmer pickings than there are with the end of H2O because uh, all you got to do is explain how Michael's back and then it's boom, a whole new world. Oh, that is such a good point. That is such a good d point. Do you know what I mean? Shit. You know what? It, it's the difference between, I guess, I, I guess it's the difference between what these movies were intended to be. Or were they intended to be, reinventions to end the franchise or reinventions to launch as you say i'm gonna be stories, cynical new... and say because of the business of these movies and that they've done they were all meant to relaunch yeah oh that's such a good point that's such a very good point what do you think though in terms of uh which one holds up the best do you think well, do, this you, is the do thing. you agree with that, what i say about <sighs> from a practical point of view reinventing as in potentially being able to bring it back and allow it to continue H2O. Interesting. But, but which movie takes the first movie, expands upon it, and creates a new story in a more interesting way? 2018. Yeah, that's a very good point. 2018. 2018 is the better reinvention for... If you look at Halloween, the first movie, and go, okay, show me a sequel to this. And you go to H2O, it's good. Obviously, you still need two, but good you go to 2018 it's really good too yeah. i think 2018 is the better reinvention for characters plot yes some of the things about the world are a little bit naff but it's the better reinvention but as a business decision i think h2o left yeah. it in a, in a better place i think even though his head got chopped yeah off. i think i think you're right though it's like i would have said this this would have been a no-brainer to use no, no pun intended, if the ending was that Michael got his head cut off. Yeah. You know, that it, had that have been, if they reinvented the franchise and then it was like, and we're done. Yeah. That would have been, this would have made this a more worthy sequel. The yeah. fact that it was a springboard to, it became a springboard to other possibilities, taints it. 
in the same way that I actually don't think that, I mean, I, I, I would dare say that there might've been other Halloween movies planned. I certainly don't think they were guaranteed. And then when those box office numbers came in for Halloween 2018, it was like, right, David, Danny. Let's get it sorted. Yeah. You yeah. guys, you know, I still want to see a mid eighties set Halloween movie where Michael's out and about in the eighties. Yeah. And it could be, you know, it could just be a period piece set after 78 where he's back in the asylum, gets out and targets somebody new or basically just make a, make do a version of Halloween asylum. I love that. There's, idea. A, there's a very interesting, uh, in the novelization of Halloween ends, there's a lot of scenes where it goes back to talking about Michael in Smith's Grove. Mm -hmm. And one of them, he almost becomes like a living ghost. Cause sometimes he just gets out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of creepy. Yeah. And I just think, think that, you, know, you know, I think we're what, how many movies now? 14, 13. Yeah. Just swing for the fences and try a bunch of different things now with it. Well, which is what David Gordon, I mean, this is the thing. Yeah. I, I maintain to this day that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride and stuff, they essentially did the arc of slasher movies in three movies because you have your Halloween Mm -hmm. 1978, you have your sort of Friday the 13th and Halloween Kills, which is your more visceral, bloody, high high body kind. And then you have your metaphysical sort of one, like Nightmare on Elm Street in yeah. Halloween Ends. Ends. I just also add into the point about which is the better reinvention. The other reason I give the H to 2018 is because it does, H2O is almost too traditional in the sense that it kind of replicates the beats, the furniture, the aesthetic of 1978. Yeah. 2018 does try new things with coverage and aesthetics and making it much more modern, bringing back the anamorphic, but also taking a gamble with certain plot things, certain character things, introducing a new tone. I mean, Halloween yeah. 1978 is not funny. Yeah. 2018 is very funny and tries yeah. new things. And, and so 2018 is funny in the way that Halloween 5 kind of wanted to be funny. That's a better reinvention. I do think, well, question, we love, we love our horror fans and we love the horror community. Yeah. Is there a, are people retro, actually both movies are kind of doomed yeah. if this happens. Are people going to say that H2O was not the better reinvention because they got resurrection? And are people going to say 2018 wasn't the better reinvention because they got kills? Yeah, because I'm, if I'm, you're not taking them on their own terms. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. You know, which one leaves it? It's not what happened next. It's about where was it left mm -hmm. and H2O wins that. But overall, 2018 is a better reinvention for me. So that gets okay. my point. That gets your point. I, yeah, this is what, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a little bit and say, and go to treating it as a single entity. Cause. No, I think I that's okay. I don't think that's, I think it's fair. I, I don't think 2018 certainly doesn't leave you really going like, well, he, he definitely burned to death. You know, that's a hundred percent. It left the window. It left the door open. H2O didn't. So if I'm going on this as in treating it as a single movie, if I'm my young self watching these movies, you know, start to, to finish, back. which is a better reinvention of the 78 movie. Is uh, that what you mean? Like, yeah. which one is a better, well, 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 not even that more about what, how I felt, how I feel as soon as the, the last credit, as soon as the credit comes up gotcha. and the screen cuts to black. Yeah. How do I feel? I, Oh, it pains me to say, but I gotta go H two. No, it's, I mean, I, and, I think that that and makes it, a lot of sense. Oh, it's it's a, this is a really tough one. Yeah, we and, knew and this the, one the thing was is that, be tough. that that is tough. And the thing is, 
as I say it, I'm automatically trying to argue with myself because both these movies are absolute masterpieces. There's no doubt about it. Both of these movies are are. I will flip flop and for flip back, flop back and forth until the day I die about which one is my third my 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 second favorite sequel. It's mm-hmm. probably going to be always undoubtedly Halloween two, but I'll dip back and forth between these two. I have the results. Here we go. Okay, let's let's okay build this up. If How do we make there? this suspenseful? Okay, because I've well, completely lost track of these scores. Okay, well one of them has a score of four, uh-huh. and the other one has a score of six. Well, 2018 has six. 2018 has six. Yeah, I mean, uh, that sounds about right to me, but that that is close. That's very close. And the thing is, we're recording this on a Sunday. Yeah. It's it's, uh, Sunday, the 13th of August. If we came back on the 20th of August, Mm -hmm. we would probably have different opinions. Another another watch of these movies. Well, you know what is interesting? You know what is interesting? I really love H2O. But I'm pretty set on 2018 being the one I prefer. But I really am fascinated by even just chatting with you about these over the years, how much, how hard it's been to... And I, you know what? I think we have to... I think it's easy to lose sight of it given that there is a Halloween 5 and 6 and there is a resurrection. But when Scream has always been consistent, I think we'll both agree on that. There isn't a bad Scream movie. I don't care what anybody... Scream 3 is much better than anyone gives a credit for. There have been bad Halloween movies, <laughs> but there are there is still a richness to be tapped from that well yeah. if you go in the right direction with the right people. Because 40 years later, 40 years and 11 sequels or 11 movies later, we had no right to, yeah. to have a movie that good. Yeah. People just curd. So when the Halloween franchise is actually firing on all cylinders, it doesn't really matter how many bad movies have been in between. It's firing. Can I ask one question that's just occurred to me? Just and just yeah. right off the top of your head. Uh-huh. Which one do you re if, if if somebody comes to you and say says, I want to watch a Halloween movie, but I only have H2O in 2018, which one do you tell them to watch? Uh 2018. Interesting. See, I don't think it has. I think it, it's, this is one of those weird things. I think 2018 has aspects and parts of it that are more rewatchable than ones in H2O. But yeah. I think overall, H2O is probably the more rewatchable movie. You know what I'm going to say? H2O is 25 minutes shorter, I think. I find it duller in parts. Interesting. I find it pretty dull at times. Yeah. And it's very, it, there's an aesthetic to it that's very, Basically, yeah. w- it's one palette for the whole movie. H2O has, you know, gas stations and uh, uh, homecoming. Da- sorry, 2018 has gas stations and yeah. homecoming dances and chases through dark, strange houses with mannequins. It, it's just got a, ver- it's such a varied You're right. palette. You're so right. Um, but this, yeah. I mean, th- we're coming to the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry that we had the resort to like, the exact science of mathematics to try and determine which ones are favorite. Well, it's the first time. I mean, we're um, still interested in yeah. shaking things up here and on Circle the Block again. Yeah, but I absolutely, I mean, we have we have a clear winner, which was 2018. Mm. But I think H2 is, it's, it's certainly not to be dismissed. It's certainly no. a fantastic movie. But why don't you tell us about what the plan is for the next show? So what we're going to do is carry on with the Halloween movies in release chronological order. So next week we will be talking about Halloween Resurrection. 
it will be face. It was the movie that came out theatrically after H2O. And it will face off against Rob Zombie's uh, two Halloween movies, 20, 2007 and 2009, because these three movies, with, with in addition to, I would say, Halloween 5, these three are kind of much maligned. I, yeah. I would say these are the three most maligned movies. Yeah, these Maybe are the, along with Halloween Ends, but yeah. Halloween Ends is so hot off the presses yeah. that we don't have a lot of time to tell. But, but Resurrection and the zombie movies are kind of the most maligned movies in the franchise because five has its defenders, six definitely has its defenders. So we're going to face those two off. And then the following week, which is our sort of series finale, well, not really, because we're going to, we've got a little trick up our sleeves for the very, for the very last episode of the season. But Resurrection and Zombies movies will face off. And then Halloween Kills will face off against Halloween Ends, which I am really excited for. Yeah. So there are two remaining episodes, the uh, the zombie uh, Halloween Resurrection versus the Rob Zombie movies. Yeah. Which are kind of the black, the, I guess we're going to theme that episode, they're the black sheep. The kind of, of black sheep race. movies. Yeah. And then Kills versus Ends, which are the most recent entries, yeah, the basically. Young bloods. The most contemporary versions of yeah. the of the story. Um, and I don't think, just spoiler no. alert, I don't think we're going to get uh, as close an episode as we did today. We definitely won't. For them. No, 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 we're, we there, definitely There'll won't. be arguments, there'll be discussions, but it won't be like that. But what is going to be interesting next week, though, is I have very particular feelings about one of zombies movies yeah and very particular feelings about another yeah. so if you lump those two together and face them off against one movie is resurrection gonna single-handedly beat out those two movies i don't know well you'll have to come in and but find we'll out. find out but here this um, was this has been so much fun. fun and again i knew this was going to be a controversial episode but we've done it and man it's been great. Thanks very it's much, Leo. Always a pleasure, Jim. Love you to bits. We're going to probably go watch something after this. Absolutely. And uh, we will see you all next time on Circle the Block again. Circle the Block again.